0: letter twenty-eight of clarissa harlowe or the history of a young lady volume seven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org recording by nicole lee clarissa harlowe or the history of a young lady volume seven by samuel richardson letter twenty-eight mr lovelace to john belford esq m hall friday july twenty-first just returned from an interview with this hickman a precise fop of a fellow, as starched as his ruffles. Thou knowest I love him not, Jack, and whom we love not, we cannot allow a merit to, perhaps not the merit they should be granted. However, I am in earnest when I say that he seems to me to be so set, so prim, so affected, so mincing, yet so cloutily in his person, that I dare engage for thy opinion, if thou dost justice to him and to thyself, that thou never beheldest such another, except in a pier glass. I'll tell thee how I played him off. He came in his own chariot to dormers, and we took a turn in the garden, at his request. He was devilish ceremonious, and made a bushel of apologies for the freedom he was going to take, and after half a hundred hums and haws, told me that he came, that he came to wait on me, at the request of dear Miss Howe on the account, on the account of Miss Harlowe. Well, sir, speak on, said I, but give me leave to say, that if your book be as long as your preface... It will take up a week to read it.' This was pretty rough, i say, but there's nothing like balking these formalities at first. When they are put out of their road, they are filled with doubts of themselves and can never get into it again, so that an honest fellow impertinently attacked, as I was, has all the game in his own hand, quite through the conference. He stroked his chin, and hardly knew what to say. At last, after parenthesis within parenthesis, apologising for apologies in imitation i suppose of swift's digression in praise of digressions i presume sir you were privy to the visit made to miss howe by the young ladies your cousins in the name of lord m and lady sarah sadler and lady betty lawrence i was sir and miss howe had a letter afterwards signed by his lordship and by those ladies and underwritten by myself have you seen it sir i can't say but i have it is the principal cause of this visit for miss howe thinks your part of it is written with such an air of levity, pardon me, sir, that she knows not whether you are in earnest or not, in your address to her for her interest to her friend. Will Miss Howe permit me to explain myself in person to her, Mr. Hickman? Oh, sir, by no means. Miss Howe, I am sure, would not give you that trouble. I should not think it a trouble. I will most readily attend you, sir, to Miss Howe, and satisfy her in all her scruples. Come, sir, I will wait upon you now. You have a chariot, are alone. We can talk as we ride.' He hesitated, wriggled, winced, stroked his ruffles, set his wig, and pulled his neckcloth, which was long enough for a bib. "'I am not going directly back to Miss Howe, sir. It will be as well if you will be so good as to satisfy Miss Howe by me.' "'What is it she scruples, Mr. Hickman?' "'Why, sir, Miss Howe observes that in your part of the letter you say—' "'But let me see, sir. I have a copy of what you wrote,' pulling it out. "'Will you give me leave, sir? Thus you begin. "'Dear Miss Howe?' "'No offence, I hope, Mr. Hickman.' "'None in the least, sir, none at all, sir,' taking aim, as it were, to read. "'Do you use spectacles, Mr. Hickman?' "'Spectacles, sir?' his whole broad face lifted up at me. "'Spectacles? What makes you ask me such a question? "'Such a young man as I use spectacles, sir?' "'They do in Spain, Mr. Hickman, young as well as old, to save their eyes. "'Have you ever read Prior's Alma, Mr. Hickman?' "'I have, sir. Custom is everything in nations, as well as with individuals. "'I know the meaning of your question, but tis not the English custom.' was you ever in spain mr hickman no sir i have been in holland in holland sir never to france or italy i was resolved to travel with him into the land of puzzledom no sir i cannot say i have as yet that's a wonder sir when on the continent i went on a particular affair i was obliged to return soon well sir you was going to read pray be pleased to proceed again he took aim as if his eyes were older than the rest of him and read after what is written above, and signed by names and characters of such unquestionable honour, to be sure, taking off his eye, nobody questions the honour of Lord M., nor that of the good ladies who signed the letter. I hope, Mr. Hickman, nobody questions mine neither. If you please, sir, I will read on. I might have been excused signing a name almost as hateful to myself, you are pleased to say, as I know it is to you. Well, Mr. Hickman, I must interrupt you at this place. In what I wrote to Miss Howe, I distinguished the word no. I had a reason for it, miss howe has been very free with my character i have never done her any harm i take it very ill of her and i hope sir you come in her name to make excuses for it miss howe sir is a very polite young lady she is not accustomed to treat any man's character unbecomingly then i have the more reason to take it amiss mr hickman why sir you know the friendship no friendship should warrant such freedoms as miss howe has taken with my character i believed he began to wish he had not come near me he seemed quite disconcerted have you not heard miss howe treat my name with great sir i come not to offend or affront you but you know what a love there is between miss howe and miss harlowe i doubt sir you have not treated miss harlowe as so fine a young lady deserved to be treated and if love for her friend has made miss howe take freedoms as you call them a mind not ungenerous on such an occasion will rather be sorry for having given the cause than i know your consequence sir but i'd rather have this reproof from a lady than from a gentleman i have a great desire to wait upon miss howe i am persuaded we should soon come to a good understanding generous minds are always of kin I know we should agree in everything. Pray, Mr. Hickman, be so kind as to introduce me to Miss Howe. Sir, I can signify your desire, if you please, to Miss Howe. Do so. Be pleased to read on, Mr. Hickman. He did, very formally, as if I remembered not what I had written, and when he came to the passage about the halter, the parson, and the hangman, reading it— Why, sir, says he, does not this look like a jest? Miss Howe thinks it does. It is not in the lady's power, you know, sir, to doom you to the gallows. Then, if it were, Mr. Hickman, you think she would— you say here to miss howe proceeded he that miss harlowe is the most injured of her sex i know from miss howe that she highly resents the injuries you own insomuch that miss howe doubts that she shall never prevail upon her to overlook them and as your family are all desirous you should repair her wrongs and likewise desire miss howe's interposition with her friend miss howe fears from this part of your letter that you are too much in jest and that your offer to do her justice is rather in compliment to your friend's entreaties than proceeding from your own inclinations and she desires to know your true sentiments on this occasion before she interposes further do you think mr hickman that if i am capable of deceiving my own relations i have so much obligation to miss howe who has always treated me with great freedom as to acknowledge to her what i don't to them sir i beg pardon but miss howe thinks that as you have written to her she may ask you by me for an explanation of what you have written you see mr hickman something of me do you think i am in jest or in earnest i see sir you are a gay gentleman of fine spirits and all that all i beg in miss howe's name is to know if you really and bona fide join with your friends in desiring her to use her interest to reconcile you to miss harlowe i should be extremely glad to be reconciled to miss harlowe and should owe great obligations to miss howe if she could bring about so happy an event well sir and you have no objections to marriage i presume as the condition of that reconciliation i never liked matrimony in my life i must be plain with you mr hickman i am sorry for it for i think it a very happy state I hope you will find it so, Mr. Hickman. I doubt not, but I shall, sir, and I dare say so would you, if you were to have Miss Harlowe. If I could be happy in it with anybody, it would be with Miss Harlowe. I am surprised, sir. Then, after all, you don't think of marrying Miss Harlowe After the hard usage. What hard usage, Mr. Hickman? I don't doubt but a lady of her niceness has represented what would appear trifles to any other, in a very strong light. If what I have had hinted to me, sir, excuse me, had been offered to the lady, she has more than trifles to complain of let me know what you have heard mr hickman i will very truly answer to the accusations sir you know best what you have done you own the lady is the most injured as well as the most deserving of her sex i do sir and yet i would be glad to know what you have heard for on that perhaps depends my answer to the questions miss howe puts to me by you why then sir since you ask it you cannot be displeased if i answer you in the first place sir you will acknowledge i suppose that you promised miss harlowe marriage and all that well, sir, and I suppose what you have to charge me with is that I was desirous to have all that without marriage. Got so, sir, I know you are deemed to be a man of wit, but may I not ask if these things sit not too light upon you? When a thing is done and cannot be helped, tis right to make the best of it. I wish the lady would think so too. I think, sir, ladies should not be deceived. I think a promise to a lady should be as binding as to any other person, at the least. I believe you think so, Mr. Hickman, and I believe you are a very honest good sort of a man.' i would always keep my word sir whether to man or woman you say well and far be it from me to persuade you to do otherwise but what have you further heard thou wilt think jack i must be very desirous to know in what light my elected spouse had represented things to miss howe and how far miss howe had communicated them to mr hickman sir this is no part of my present business but mr hickman tis part of mine i hope you would not expect that i should answer your questions at the same time that you refuse to answer mine what pray have you further heard why then sir if i must say i am told that miss harlowe was carried to a very bad house why indeed the people did not prove so good as they should be what further have you heard i have heard sir that the lady had strange advantages taken of her very unfair ones but what i cannot say and cannot you say cannot you guess then i'll tell you sir perhaps some liberty was taken with her when she was asleep you think no lady ever was taken at such an advantage you know mr hickman that ladies are very shy of trusting themselves with the modestest of our sex when they are disposed to sleep and why so if they did not expect that advantages would be taken of them at such times but sir had not the lady something given her to make her sleep ay mr hickman that's the question i want to know if the lady says she had i have not seen all she has written but by what i have heard it is a very black affair excuse me sir i do excuse you mr hickman but supposing it were so do you think a lady was never imposed upon by wine or so do you not think the most cautious woman in the world might not be cheated by a stronger liquor for a smaller when she was thirsty after a fatigue in this very warm weather and do you think if she was thus thrown into a profound sleep that she is the only lady that was ever taken at such an advantage even as you make it mr lovelace this matter is not a light one but i fear it is a great deal heavier than as you put it what reasons have you to fear this sir what has the lady said pray let me know i have reason to be so earnest why sir miss howe herself knows not the whole The lady promises to give all the particulars at a proper time if she lives but has said enough to make it out to be a very bad affair i am glad miss harlowe has not yet given all the particulars and since she has not you may tell miss howe from me that neither she nor any woman in the world can be more virtuous than miss harlowe is to this hour as to her own mind tell her that i hope she never will know the particulars but that she has been unworthily used tell her that though i know not what she has said yet i have such an opinion of her veracity that I would blindly subscribe to the truth of every tittle of it, though it make me ever so black. Tell her that I have but three things to blame her for, one, that she won't give me an opportunity of repairing her wrongs, the second, that she is so ready to acquaint everybody with what she has suffered, that it will put it out of my power to redress those wrongs with any tolerable reputation to either of us. Will this Mr. Hickman answer any part of the intention of this visit? Why, sir, this is talking like a man of honour, I own. But you say there's a third thing you blame the lady for may i ask what that is i don't know sir whether i ought to tell it you or not perhaps you won't believe it if i do but though the lady will tell the truth and nothing but the truth yet perhaps she will not tell the whole truth pray sir but it may it be proper yet you give me great curiosity sure there is no misconduct in the lady i hope there is not i am sure if miss howe did not believe her to be faultless in every particular she would not interest herself so much in her favour as she does dearly as she loves her "'I love Miss Harlowe too well, Mr. Hickman, to wish to lessen her in Miss Howe's opinion, especially, as she is abandoned, of every other friend, but perhaps it would hardly be credited if I should tell you—I should be very sorry, sir, and so would Miss Howe, if this poor lady's conduct had laid her under obligation to you for this reserve. You have so much the appearance of a gentleman, as well as are so much distinguished in your family and fortunes, that I hope you are incapable of loading such a young lady as this in order to lighten yourself. Excuse me, sir.' i do i do mr hickman you say you came not with any intention to affront me i take freedom and i give it i should be very loath i repeat to say anything that may weaken miss harlowe in the good opinion of the only friend she thinks she has left it may not be proper said he for me to know your third article against this unhappy lady but i never heard of anybody out of her own implacable family that had the least doubt of her honour mrs howe indeed once said after a conference with one of her uncles that she feared all was not right on her side but else i never heard Woon, sir in a fierce tone and with an erect mien stopping short upon him which made him start back tis next to blasphemy to question this lady's honour She's more pure than a vestal for vestals have often been warmed by their own fires no age from the first to the present ever produced nor will the future to the end of the world i dare aver ever produce a young blooming lady tried as she has been tried who has stood all trials as she has done let me tell you sir that you never saw never knew never heard of such another woman as miss harlowe sir sir i beg your pardon far be it from me to question the lady you have not heard me say a word that could be so construed i have the utmost honour for her miss howe loves her as she loves her own soul and that she would not do if she were not sure she were as virtuous as herself as herself sir i have a high opinion of miss howe sir but i dare say what sir dare you say of miss howe i hope sir you will not presume to say anything to the disparagement of miss howe presume mr hickman that is presuming language let me tell you mr hickman the occasion for it mr lovelace if designed is presuming if you please i am not a man ready to take offence sir especially where i am employed as a mediator but no man breathing shall say disparaging things of miss howe in my hearing without observation well said mr hickman i dislike not your spirit on such a supposed occasion but what i was going to say is this that there is not in my opinion a woman in the world who ought to compare herself with miss clarissa harlowe till she has stood her trials and has behaved under them and after them as she has done you see sir i speak against myself you see i do for libertine as i am thought to be i never will attempt to bring down the measures of right and wrong to the standard of my actions why sir this is very right it is very noble i will say but tis pity that the man who can pronounce so fine a sentence will not square his actions accordingly that mr hickman is another point we all earn some things i wish not that miss howe should have miss harlowe's trials and i rejoice that she is in no danger of any such from so good a man poor hickman he looked as if he knew not whether i meant a compliment or a reflection but proceeded i since i find that i have excited your curiosity that you may not go away with a doubt that may be injurious to the most admirable of women i am inclined to hint to you what i have in the third place to blame her for sir as you please it may not be proper it cannot be very improper mr hickman so let me ask you what would miss howe think if her friend is the more determined against me because she thinks to revenge to me i verily believe that of encouraging another lover how sir sure this cannot be the case i can tell you sir if miss howe thought this she would not approve of it at all for little as you think miss howe likes you sir and little as she approves of your actions by her friend i know she is of opinion that she ought to have nobody living but you and should continue single all her life if she be not yours revenge and obstinacy mr hickman will make women the best of them do very unaccountable things rather than not put out both eyes of a man they are offended with they will give up one of their own i don't know what to say to this sir but sure she cannot encourage any other person's address so soon too why sir she is as we are told so ill and so weak not in resentment weak i'll assure you i am well acquainted with all her movements and i tell you believe it or not that she refuses me in view of another lover can it be tis true by my soul has she not hinted this to miss howe do you think no indeed sir if she had i should not have troubled you at this time from miss howe well then you see i am right that though she cannot be guilty of a falsehood yet she has not told her friend the whole truth what shall a man say to these things looking most stupidly perplexed say say mr hickman who can account for the workings and ways of a passionate and offended woman endless would be the histories i could give you within my own knowledge of the dreadful effects of woman's passionate resentments and what that sex will do when disappointed there was miss dorrington perhaps you know her not who ran away with her father's groom because he would not let her have a half-pay officer with whom her passions all up she fell in love at first sight as he accidentally passed under her window there was miss savage she married her mother's coachman because her mother refused her a journey to wales in apprehension that miss intended to league herself with a remote cousin of unequal fortunes of whom she was not a little fond when he was a visiting guest at their house for a week there was the young widow Sanderson, who, believing herself slighted by a younger brother of a noble family, Sarah Stoutlike, took it into her head to drown herself, Miss Sally Anderson. you have heard of her, no doubt, being checked by her uncle for encouraging an address beneath her, in spite, threw herself into the arms of an ugly dog, her shoemaker's apprentice, running away with him in a pair of shoes he had just fitted to her feet, though she never saw the fellow before and hated him ever after, and at last took laudanum to make her forget for ever her own folly but can there be a stronger instance in point than what the unaccountable resentments of such a lady as miss clarissa harlowe afford us who at this instant ill as she is not only encourages but in a manner makes court to one of the most odious dogs that ever was seen i think miss howe should not be told this and yet she ought to in order to dissuade her from such a preposterous rashness oh fie oh strange miss howe knows nothing of this to be sure she won't look upon her if this be true tis true very true mr hickman true as i am here to tell you so and he is an ugly fellow too uglier to look at than me than you sir why to be sure you are one of the handsomest men in england well but the wretch she so spitefully prefers to me is a misshapen meagre varlet more like a skeleton than a man then he dresses you never saw a devil so bedizened hardly a coat to his back nor a shoe to his foot a bald pated villain yet grudges to buy a peruke to his baldness for he is as covetous as hell never satisfied yet plaguy rich why sir there is some joke in this surely a man of common parts knows not how to take such gentlemen as you. but sir if there be any truth in the story what is he some jew or miserly citizen i suppose that may have presumed on the lady's distressful circumstances and your lively wit points him out as it pleases why the rascal has estates in every county in england and out of england too some east india governor i suppose if there be anything in it the lady once had thoughts of going abroad but i fancy all this time you are in jest sir if not we must surely have heard of him heard of him aye sir we have all heard of him but none of us care to be intimate with him except this lady and that as i told you in spite of me his name in short is death death sir stamping and speaking loud and full in his ears which made him jump half a yard high thou never beheldest any man so disconcerted he looked as if the frightful skeleton was before him and he had not his accounts ready when a little recovered he fribbled with his waistcoat buttons as if he had been telling his beads this sir proceeded i is her wooer. Nay, she is so forward a girl that she woos him, but I hope it never will be a match. He had before behaved, and now looked with more spirit than I expected from him. I came, sir, said he, as a mediator of differences. It behoves me to keep my temper, but, sir, and turned short upon me, as much as I love peace, and to promote it, I will not be ill-used. As I had played so much upon him, it would have been wrong to take him at his more than half-menace, yet I think I owe him a grudge for his presuming to address Miss Howe. You mean no defiance, I presume, Mr. Hickman, any more than I do offence. On that presumption, I ask your excuse. But this is my way. I mean no harm. I cannot let sorrow touch my heart. I cannot be grave six minutes together for the blood of me. I am a descendant of old Chancellor Moore, I believe, and should not forbear to cut a joke were I upon the scaffold. But you may gather from what I have said that I prefer Miss Harlowe, and that upon the justice grounds, to all the women in the world, and I wonder that there should be any difficulty to believe from what I have signed and from what I have promised to my relations, and enable them to promise for me, that I should be glad to marry that excellent creature upon her own terms. I acknowledge to you, Mr. Hickman, that I have basely injured her. If she will honour me with her hand, I declare that is my intention, to make her the best of husbands. But nevertheless, I must say, that if she goes on appealing her case and exposing us both as she does, it is impossible to think the knot can be knit with reputation to either and although, Mr. Hickman, I have delivered my apprehensions under so ludicrous a figure, I am afraid that she will ruin her constitution, and by seeking death when she may shun him, will not be able to avoid him when she would be glad to do so. This cool and honest speech let down his stiffened muscles into complacence. He was my very obedient and faithful humble servant several times over, as I waited on him to his chariot, and I was his almost as often. And so exit Hickman. End of letter twenty-eight.